Live from Melbourne's Bella Union, it's Child Proof. An unproduced TV sitcom rescued from the bottom drawer and repurposed as a free audio podcast. Episode 4, Child Labour. Okay, here we go. Handheld VHS footage of a radio station OB at Melbourne's Metro Nightclub in 1991. Signage for Rock FM everywhere. A crowd is assembled before Gavin Wood at the microphone. That was Matthew Wilder. Hey, nothing gonna break of my stride. I'm Gavin Wood and it is one minute to midnight. One minute till we launch the all new Rock FM. Two pissy flashpots explode prematurely. Let me first say, Melbourne, are you ready to rock? Yeah. Brian Mannix, are you ready to rock? Yes. Con the fruiterer, are you ready to rock? Couple of days, beautiful. Yes, then let's blow the lid off a brand new era. Uh, sorry, I'm just being told that it is in fact three minutes to midnight. Apparently we should have played the extended mix of Breaker My Stride. So I might just say, Lee Simon, host of TV's Night Moves, are you ready to rock? Yeah! This footage is being watched by Ian and Jennifer. Both are horrified. So this is the golden era. That we're apparently going back to. Are you in there somewhere? I'm the idiot filming this. On screen, Pluck-a-Duck is nodding furiously. <laughs> it's pretty clear that Pluck-a-Duck is ready to rock. Former Premier John Kane, are you... The footage freezes as the VCR sputters out. Oh, oh, no, 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 shit, this is the only copy of this. You haven't transferred? Who has time to transfer? They need it for the horrible new TV ad we're doing. Get it fixed tomorrow. I need to go through it tonight. Do, does anyone still fix these? What's that new place on the corner? Splash. They're open 24 hours. What are they? A tech hub or something. I thought it was a juice bar. No. It's just an orange Helvetica cube. It's young people. They'll know what to do. Ian and Jennifer are in a shop much like the Genius Bar at the Apple Store. A very young man, Cyrus, stands behind the counter sarcastically. Welcome to Splash. Can I have your email address? Whoa, hang on. Let me just... Ian dumps the VCR on the counter. Can you fix this quickly? What is that? It's what the original settlers of this country called a VCR. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Hey, guys, look at this. Cyrus <laughs> shares a laugh with a fellow worker. Uh, there's a tape stuck in there. <laughs> what? Uh, a cassette containing the only footage of the original Rock FM rebrand. Cyrus rolls his eyes at mention of Rock FM. Uh, Rock FM, yeah. What were they before? Uh, originally FM 10 Rock, then Rock FM. Actually, there was three weeks in between where we were simply called The Blade. <laughs> Mate, there is nothing we can do for you. Really? Can I see the manager? Nathan! An even younger man appears. <laughs> the next morning at Rock FM, Ian hands the retrieved cassette to a very young intern. Get this down to promotions. Don't ask what it is. Ian's assistant, Beck, looks up from her laptop. According to Twitter... Is this going to hurt because I spent last night being mocked by 12-year-olds? People are talking about the Heritage rebrand. Do they even know what that means? Uh, Rock FM going back to their 80s sound. How will anyone know the difference? Well... Someone had to do that joke, now it's done. 8,000 retweets. 8,000 times. 
Oh, Sir Leo wants to see you. Where is he? Out in the foyer. He doesn't want to come in. Sir Leo from the station's board is seated at reception, hiding behind a copy of The Australian. Reading a newspaper no longer makes someone look inconspicuous. You know I can't appear to be involved in staff matters. A large poster for Rock FM's Bonkers Breakfast is being replaced by one of the 80s-themed Breakfast Club. How's the rebadging treating you? Oh, you know the cycle. We're new, then we're all new, then we're back to original. I'll tell you something else that's inevitable in radio. What? Being transferred to Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, who's being transferred to Adelaide? No, 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 not you. Well, not now. Oh, Sturgeon. He's tried to... Yes, he did. Keen to promote some yes-man. I'm a yes-man. Yes, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I put the kibosh on it. Told him I need you here doing things for me. Absolute... Uh, what things? I just need you to take my grandson for work experience. Just for a week. With me, here? I understand you occasionally have work to do and he can sit in. Well... What's he like? He's a little shit. Thick as two planks. What we used to call a mongoloid. Right. I might just use his, um, name. At Bell Tower Books, Jennifer, a huge blue smoothie in front of her, is reading a Who magazine when the intern Brittany enters. Before you say anything, I know it looks like I'm drinking a pureed Smurf. Or I guess you don't even know. No, no, no. I know who the Smurfs are. So Taki, Caitlin and John want to see you like now. Oh, no. I haven't been in a one-on-three with those freaks since my job interview. Well, not even then. Caitlin was on maternity leave, John was on paternity leave and Tarquin cut it short because he was worried he had gout. I'm getting fired, aren't I? Tarquin's office. Tarquin, Caitlin and John are all crammed onto the sofa next to the plywood partition with Jennifer sitting on the coffee table. Don't lean backwards or forwards and you'll be absolutely fine. Well, either way, we've got a total disaster on our hands. Look. I thought it was someone pretending to be Paul Keating. That's why I called him a painted perfume gigolo. What in Christ's name are you talking about? Nothing. Anyway, you realise that The Day My Ass Went Mental is shaping up to be one of our biggest titles for this year. That it has our largest print run ever for a children's book. Am I getting a raise? Oh, bless. <laughs> yes, it's your department, but of course you had absolutely nothing to do with The Day My Ass Went Mental. Which is lucky for you, as it turns out, because we're getting sued for plagiarism. I believe Beverly when she said having ass in the title would not only open up the US market, but throw the day my bum went psycho people off the set. But she was wrong. Look, I'm not interested in the blame game. I'm interested in us not being in the shitter. And, as Caitlin says, it's your department. But what am I supposed to do about it? I'd help you out, but, you know, I've got to take Josh to the orthodontist. And I'll be turning my phone off so I can tick the father-son time box. I'll be here for another hour, but then I have to chair a school fate committee. I only hope I can persuade one of the lesbian couples to build the haunted house. I'll be here, Jennifer. Oh, that's a relief. To clarify, I'll be in the building, but I have to Skype Emily and it may take some time. Touch base with me at three and tell me what you've come up with. I'll be in a ginseng bath and probably nude, but my phone will be on. The next day, Ian sits behind his desk, opposite Hurley, Sir Leo's grandson. So, Hurley, is it? Yep. As in Elizabeth Hurley? Who? Of course. <laughs> Do you have any questions uh, about my job? Uh, what are you? Content director. I oversee everything that goes to air. 
But don't you just play the same songs, like, all day, every day? Well, there's a bit more to it than that. Really? Right now, I am turning the station all the way back to the 1980s. But isn't it already... Don't! The door bursts open. It's Gary Sturgo Sturgis down from Sydney. Ian, it's time for us to heritage the fuck out of mornings. Sturgo, this is Hurley. He's a child. G'day, mate. Sir Leo's grandson. Right. Have you spoken to Sir Leo? No. Not directly. I have no idea what things he might possibly want to say. Good. All right, get your cans, mate. We're going on air now. It's what? time for the 80s guys to show them how it's done. In the on-air studio, Mike Pumphrey is at the mic. All the notes. She's a man-eater. Watch out, boys. She'll eat you up. Rock of mornings with mad Mike Pumphrey filling in for Captain Keith, who's out with a rock-related injury. Oh, hang on. Sturgeo and Ian enter the studio and plug in their headphones. Hurley follows and sits in a corner, observing. What's this? Oh, no, no, no. It's the 80s, guys. I think I'm about to be benched. Benched by the best. This is Gary Sturgeo Sturgeo. And Ian Caro Carriage sitting in for Mad Mike Pomfrey, who's filling in for Captain Keith. Captain Keith, of course, still keeping the seat warm for Jamie Tornado, MD, the original rock doctor, right here on Rock FM. Here's Van Halen's Sturgeo. Let's take a hard left to Panama. Rock traffic is next. With Barstool Barry Farquhar high in the sky. Still got it. <clears throat> is that how people talked in the 1980s? Not all of them. There we are. Just programmed a 40-minute music suite. We can fuck off for half an hour. I need you to help me choose a venue for the anniversary piss-up. Hurley is left in the studio on his own. He stares at the computer. Bell Tower Books. Man alive. Hi, John. John is with his son at the beach. I couldn't get hold of anyone but you. School holidays. I pay for him to go private and he just spends less time there. Bullshit, isn't it? Uh, yes. What do you want, though? Tarquin left a message saying you and I need to talk gate. Says he put a rocket up here to get a solution happening. Well... Don't come to me with problems, OK? Come to me with answers. Jennifer rolls her eyes and resumes typing. Oh, no. Hi, Mitchell. Author Mitchell Block, in his 30s but looking like a 12-year-old, is queuing at an amusement park. Jennifer, hi. Everyone else's phones were ringing out. I've only got a sec. I'm about to get on the Scooby-Doo spooky coaster. Oh, nice one. As she talks to him, Jennifer looks at a standee of Block with his latest book, Deadly Quotient. Thing is, I just had a signing, and they offered me tea or coffee. Did you want... Wine? No, I didn't want wine. I only drink water. They didn't have water. No, they had water. The point is I was offered tea or coffee. Sorry, I don't quite... The point is I've told everyone like a million times that I don't want to have the tea-coffee conversation. Gotta go. I can't hear you over Scooby-Doo. Block. <laughs> yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely... Hang on. Tarquin is in the lift. He sees Jennifer rushing towards him. He pushes the button frantically. Wait! I've got to talk to you about Arsgate. Uh, not now, Jennifer. I have to see the doctor, and it's probably cancer. Oh, really? Anyway, I was just talking to Block. He's a fucking child. Oh, good God, that's the last thing we need at the moment. What? No, I said he's a fucking child. Ah, OK. <laughs> but he's a child who can write a book, so... Couldn't he fill the arse gap? Couldn't he write a children's book? That's pretty much what he writes now. I think you've read Deadly Quotient. 
but it'll be shorter. You're a genius. Care to join me at the doctor? Jeez, I'd love to, but Block will be off the spooky coaster soon. <laughs> yes, off the spooky coaster. Rock FM, Ian and Sturjo are back in Ian's office. So, we get Joe Satriani doing the old FM 10 rock riff. And Carlos Santana doing the new Rock FM riff. Mix them together. Yeah, but they're both from the past. Shouldn't the new one be... Glenn Fry. Beck enters. Oh, sorry, guys. Here's the thing. Who are you? Did you leave Hurley in the on-air studio? Yes. He appears to have reprogrammed the music computer. To do what? To play Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me With Science three times in a row. Shit. Okay, uh, people will think it's a competition. They'll uh, think we've gone fucking mad. Thomas Dolby from 30 years ago. The heritage years? Yeah, sure, but... The people are loving it. What? We've had calls. No one's heard that song for years. Really? Oh, well, okay, so we're just going to play that song now. We're going to have a Thomas Dolby blinded me with science-based format. <laughs> nah, I tried that in Geelong, didn't work. <clears throat> but this kid is onto something. Bell Tower Books. Jennifer is eating a sandwich with one hand, typing with the other. Caitlin, looking serious, enters and shuts the door behind her. Before you say anything, I know we're not supposed to edit our computers. Oh, God, I don't care. We're not supposed to fuck our authors either, but... Jennifer looks at her, wide-eyed. Joke! Oh, God, I'm so looking forward to the weekend. Are you? Y yes. Special plans? No. Well, that's very handy. Very handy indeed. You see, the death blow has delivered his manuscript. Uh, who's that again? A wonderful boxer. And he's written almost the only thing the sales reps have the faintest interest in, which means that we have to make it into something book-shaped as quickly as possible. And you're the only person who'll be around to do the editing. Luca and I are taking the kids to the farm for the weekend. And Louise is going to be driving her lot around to, she tells me, hip-hop dancing. And Alison's going to the airport to pick up that child. She's adopting. Is she? But about the death blow, I've only had a second to glance at the MS, but I did notice he doesn't seem to be a great fan of punctuation. In fact, as it stands, it seems to be just the one 700-page sentence. No, I can't do it. Sorry? Look, I've been keeping this quiet in case we wanted to return him straight away, but as of next weekend, we'll be fostering a child. Excuse me? Getting a little foster child. You're what? Fostering a foster child. Ian and I were just getting really tired of having enough money and being able to go out whenever we want. <laughs> I realised that what I really want is to um, uh, go walking in a park with some little kid as he shows me the world through his eyes. <laughs> or whatever. I suppose I have actually been more surprised. Well... I just can't wait to hear every single detail. And do bring in a photo of him, won't you? That evening at Ian and Jennifer's apartment, Jennifer is anxious to tell her news. So, hang on, let's have one first. They drink. Okay, so remember how Sir Leo saved me from Adelaide? Hey, I like Adelaide. I agree, the jokes are wrong. But you know how I've... Um, <laughs> you know how I've got his uh, grandson shadowing me like... Um, a shadow? Yeah. Are you? Just do your one first. Right. So this kid, on his first day, has reformatted the station. How? Well, you know how we normally draw from a pool of 240 songs? Really? Carefully researched. Don't people have, like, 10,000 songs on their phones now? Yeah, but do they have Captain Keith in between reading things off Twitter? No, they don't. 
What's this kid done? Well, his idea is that we just play anything. Really? Yeah, see, it's a good idea for the first couple of days and then... It still is. No, it's anarchy. And I'll have to clean up the mess while this kid moves on to, I don't know, upper management, presumably. Speaking of kids, you need to memorise all this. What's this? It's a dossier on Verna. Who? The foster son who, if anyone asks, we do have. Next morning, Jennifer is driving them to work. Ian is still scrutinising the dossier. OK. You got it? I don't think anyone's going to ask if he can juggle. Got to be ready for everything. They're more likely to ask when they can meet him. He's so busy with extracurriculars. What about a photo? They're going to want to see... Oh, I'll just get something off Getty Images. And we're going to have to keep this up forever? It's foster care. Eventually he'll move on to his permanent family. Once I've finished... Uh... Reaping the benefits? Oh, yeah! I'm fighting fire with fire. A montage. Jennifer is in her office typing. Caitlin enters. I need to leave at 3.30. I've got a meeting at Milo's school about what a horrid bully he is. But you'll be here, won't you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm picking up Verna from kindy, so I need to leave at 2.30. Jennifer sips coffee while speaking to a staffer. You know what? He's teaching me to appreciate the little things. Sure, OK. I used to go to plays. Sometimes. But, but nothing could be more fun than watching Werner's face light up when he sees a butterfly. Jennifer's typing. Tarquin enters. I need to leave early, a manscaping appointment, but uh, you'll be here, won't you? Oh, I'm sorry. I got a call from Werner's preschool to say he tripped over a big wooden block just on my way out. Jennifer eats a biscuit while speaking to another staffer. You know what? I finally got my priorities straight. I mean, does it really matter if I get some book to the printer? Yes. Well, I'm sorry, but Verna's my priority now. And anyway, I'm not sorry. Jennifer's taping. John enters. Jennifer, corporate games tonight against those gannet pricks. You're coming, no excuses. Jennifer picks up a framed photo of Werner, smiles apologetically and shakes her head. Oh, fair enough. A huge cake with Werner in icing sits on a table. The staff are applauding Jennifer. They present her with an enormous envelope. She smiles as she pulls out a big congratulations card and a wad of notes. You know what? Life's so gloriously messy now. I mean, I was always such a perfectionist. Caitlin appears. Really? Yes, really. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I've got so much more empathy now, too. I see a starving child in Africa or whatever, and I think, wow, that's sad. <laughs> Werner's made me realise it's not all about me. Well, he's obviously a young man of almost superhuman gifts. And, of course, the other good news is that you can bring him to take your child to work day. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Um, he's a Eastern European. Oh, I do think so. Very much. I can't wait to meet him and have a lovely chat. Rock FM. Ian enters his office to find Sturjo and Hurley. Ian, come in, mate. What's this, an unscheduled team meet? You know, we don't do team meets anymore, not since I combined knowledge capture and thought leadership with Blue Sky Magnet Management. Yeah, it's a terrible acronym, though. I just call it drilling up. What's going on here? Ian, I think you'd uh, be the first to agree that Hurley's initiative... Sorry, initiative? ...has been a fucking winner. But what have we learned? That no-one needs to hear shut up you face three times in a row? Very true. But this was always going to have a short fuse, I told you that. No, 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 I... It's got people talking, Ian. We've started a conversation. Yeah, with the words, what's the matter, you? 
We've got their attention. Question, what now? Double shot Tuesday? <sighs> Listen to what Hurley's come up with. So, uh, you get that song, uh, Bohemian uh, Rhapsody. Yes. And uh, you get all the people listening to uh, sing a line into their phones in, like, awesome places, and you join them all up into an ad for Rock FM for the 25-year thing. That... that actually sounds like a good idea. Hurley? Let's see if we can find you an office. <laughs> that evening, Ian and Jennifer are both staring at laptops and drinking. I'm telling you, this kid's got some moves. Yeah, well, I don't suppose he'd be interested in pretending to be our foster son. Yeah. What? Take your child to work day. Can't you just say he's sick? Caitlin says if I tell her he's sick, she'll come over here and look after him herself. And anyway, I can't get out of it because I asked Mitchell Block to come. Oh, won't he be busy on a roller coaster somewhere? I was hoping that if everyone's kids sucked up to him, he'd get all, oh, the children are our future. And then he'd write something that doesn't have, like, a school of giant paku biting people's balls off. On Jennifer's screen, a site for a child modelling agency. Terrific tots. What is this? It's not like I can just call Getty Images and request the company of mischievous Caucasian boy laughing while holding toy airplane. <laughs> oh. Hey, Beck. What? Ian opens an email, pulls on headphones, and plays a clip of a TV commercial exactly like the one Hurley described. A logo appears, South Florida's Hot Rock 104, home of Shecky and the Gimp. Got it! Next morning, Ian and Jennifer driving to work. Ian is dressed and made up as Adam Ant. So, you're not gonna get there and, um, it's just you. No, I wrote the memo. If you're not dressed as the 80s, don't bother coming into work. Just here's good. Good luck with your kid. Good luck with yours. Oh, don't worry. He's not going to make me look like a fool again. Adam Ant drives off. In the Bell Tower foyer, staff are arriving with their kids. A man is walking towards her with a boy, Anton, of about 11, who's reading A Hundred Years of Solitude. The boy looks European and sophisticated. The man is screaming abuse into a phone. Yeah, well, mate, your tiny cock's gonna be hanging from my Christmas tree while Jeff Heard watched your cock by night. Ha! Jennifer, Jeff Heard, agent, this is Anton. Hi, Anton. Anton stops reading and kisses her hand. Oh, wow. Um, he's a bit older than I thought he would be. What's this for again? A uh, book cover. A socialist realist sort of thing. Oh, yeah? What's it called? Um, they've cut the phone off because my dad forgot to pay the bill again. Christ on a crutch. His phone rings again as Brittany appears. Sure, buddy. You can do that. But I'll bake you a cock in a cake. Um, the Great Australian cock off. Hi, Jen. Ooh, cover your ears, Verna. Brittany scurries into a lift. Jeff exits. Anton, just remember that your name's Verna and that you're my foster child. No problem. I welcome the challenges of acting. One day, too, I hope to direct a film as rich as the Knights of Kabiria. And good on you. But today's probably just going to be about eating sausage rolls. Soon after, Jennifer and Anton are outside the closed doors of the boardroom. Will my book really be safe on your desk? It is a first edition. This is a publishing company, you realise? I saw no sign of that, no. The boardroom doors are flung open to reveal assorted Bell Tower staff and children. Oh my, this must be Verna. You're a very big boy for kindy, aren't you? Well, you know how quickly they grow up these days. Come on, Verna. Yes, I am in the kindergarten. 
You are wearing Chanel number 11, I think. Advertising really does mess with their brains, doesn't it? Come on, Werner. Let's find you some friends your own age. Anton is in conversation with Tarquin. Well, it's all just the nanny state these days, isn't it? In my day, no one knew what a bicycle helmet was. Are you aware of the latest literature on this subject? No, but I did bring in some toy swords. <laughs> I was expecting the lawyer to give me a hard time about it, but she's busy with that horrible little bastard she calls her son. He pushed me, you know, and I nearly fell over. Swords, do you fence? No, I don't. Oh, that is a shame. It would be of benefit for your strategic thinking and decision-making skills. <laughs> Not to mention your balance. Yeah, well, the last I heard of you, you tripped over a wooden block. Jennifer appears and overhears this. Come on, Werner. I think he's getting overtired. She hustles Werner off. Bloody hell, Anton. I was on a phone call for like two minutes and you managed to get up Tarquin's nose. He is a baboon. He sees Brittany. She is the one I wish to speak to. Well, then you and Tarquin have more in common than you realise. John appears. This must be Werner. And you are? I'm Jennifer's big boss. But you can call me John, anyway. Uh, I've been wishing to speak to whoever is in charge since I discovered what kind of enterprise this is. Would you agree that every book from the last 20 years belongs in the garbage? Oh, th that's what you get for using Radio National as a babysitter. Now, come on, Werner. Werner, come and talk to me, darling. You must have some work to do, Jennifer. He'll be all right with me. Oh, fuck. Caitlin and Werner are sitting together in a corner. A velvet rope separates them from everyone else. Yes, I would have cut a whole chunk out of the corrections myself. Such a verbiage. Anton produces an e-cigarette. Oh, uh, I don't really think you're allowed to have one of those in here. Anton raises one eyebrow and offers her a drag. Oh, all right then. What the hell? Uh, clever Werner thought of getting the velvet rope from publicity. Mitchell's arrived. Mitchell enters to growing applause. He makes a faux modest Quieten down gesture. Uh, why must he wear a hooded sweatshirt like a common criminal? Well, when you've sold a zillion books, you can wear stupid clothes too. Come and say hi. Oh, actually, no. Don't say a freaking word. At Rock FM, Sturjo, Hurley, Mike, Beck, and various staff, all dressed 80s style, are seated around the boardroom table. Ian enters and gives his laptop to Beck. Connect this up. Sturjo, dressed like ostentatious, stands. Not right, everybody, everybody. Well done on all dressing up like fucking googs to celebrate our heritage rebrand. You, Nick Kershaw, lights off. Nice pirate pants, by the way. Someone dressed as Howard Jones hits the lights, leaving an AV screen illuminated. It shows old FM 10 rock logos and memorabilia. All next week, we're going to be dusting off the old 80s breakers. In breakfast, just for a stir, I thought we'd bring back... Beat the bomb. Mike Pomfrey is dressed like an 80s gender bender. Uh, actually, we're still doing Beat the Bomb. Boy George, you are shitting me. It's now all new Beat the Bomb. Uh-huh. And it's Marilyn, by the way. What? I'm not Boy George. Fuck me. <clears throat> Ian, tell them about Hurley's idea. Yeah, I thought I'd show them his idea. What, have you shot something? No, I haven't. He hits the remote and on comes the US TV commercial, but without sound, Ian stabs at the remote. Shit, uh, if there was sound, you'd be hearing Bohemian Rhapsody right now. Isn't that right, Hurley? Kid, did you make this? No, he did not. It was made by... He freezes on the logo for the US radio station. Oh, right. I see, okay. Hurley, tell the truth, son. Had you seen this ad? Yeah. 
and you thought you'd just take that American idea and get us to do it. Yep. Fucking brilliant! <laughs> just between us, that's where I get my best ideas too. So you're happy with this, yeah? Mate, it's already been road tested. It's a win fucking win. The room applauds. Adam Ant looks perplexed. Ian, unplug the laptop and do us all a favour. Back at Bell Tower, Mitchell's pacing, addressing the staff and their children. Sure, I could write a literary novel. Of course you could, Mitchell. Anton starts to speak. Jennifer firmly shushes him. But could one of your Booker Prize winners write what I write? Something with an ass-kicking story. Jennifer shushes Anton again. Now, who's got that review? A review is circulating. A girl of about four puts up her hand. Can you keep it moving, please? Anyway, it calls Death Park the gift for the person who has everything because they can chuck it in the bin immediately. Anton gives an amused snort. <laughs> Jennifer picks up a toy sword and gestures threateningly at him. That's a bloody disgrace, Mitchell. Disgraceful? Yes. Thank you, John. But you know what you have to remember, kids? No one has ever built a statue <laughs> to a critic. And there is no statue to you either, you imbecile. Jennifer edges away from Anton. Well, that shows how much you know. <laughs> Bell Tower's putting a statue of me in the foyer. We are. Come a little closer, buddy. Anton takes the sword from Jennifer. You have no power over me, sir. I do not read at the beach. Can you get him out of here, Jennifer? Yes, uh, Jennifer, uh, get him out of here. Don't move, Jennifer. I can handle this, wanker. Bulgarian. I think it's time to rock and roll. Mitchell grabs the other sword and they fight. Anton assuming classic fencing positions. Mitchell more amateurish, but incorporating martial arts poses. Mitchell ducks and Anton decapitates a block standee. Jennifer starts trying to edge to the door, but Caitlin blocks her way. And where are you going? Uh, I'm going to have to leave early. I have to take furniture. Back to the agency. Ian, still dressed as Adam Ant, with Hurley in back, pulls up outside Bell Tower Books. Jennifer climbs in front, Anton in the back. Hi, this is Hurley. I've got to drop him at Sir Leo's. How's work experience going, Hurley? Great. I got made a consultant. <laughs> How'd yours go? Yeah, it was good. Up until the sword fight. Ian goes to speak. Ah, uh, not till I'm holding a drink. For a moment, they drive in silence. Jennifer fishes two pens out of her bag and starts doing an ant music style drum beat on the dashboard. Hurley and Anton look at each other, confused. You have been listening to Childproof. Written and produced by Tony Martin and Serena Rao at the Bella Union for the 2017 Melbourne Fringe. Starring Geraldine Quinn as Jennifer and Beck, Tony Martin as Ian Tarquin and Gavin Wood, Roz Hammond as Caitlin, Andrew McClelland as Mike Pomfrey, Jeff and Con the Fruiterer, Damien Cowell as John, Christina Laria as Brittany, Jovan Caro as Cyrus, Anton and Hurley, and Lockie Hume as Sturjo and Sir Leo. With guests Sam Peterson as Mitchell Block and Lee Simon and Brian Mannix as themselves. The narrator was Jay Mueller. 
Child Proof, the podcast, is produced by Matt Dower on the Pots and Pans in conjunction with Bad Producer Productions. Pete Smith speaking.